0: Hey, this is Dave Ryder from Kalamunda Church of Christ. Really praying this podcast blesses you. If you'd like to hear more of our story, how about you go to our webpage, Cullamunda.church? We're going to be in Mark chapter 4, verse 10 to 12. I'm going to read it. We're going to land on it a little bit later on. It's where we're going to focus our attention. Um, and you probably know by now the title of today's message is Brand New Openings. Can everyone say Brand New Openings? Brand new openings, brand new openings. And I'm praying that we as a church are going to um, be able to discern what the Lord is actually saying to us. Um, Let me read from Mark chapter 4, 10 to 12. I'm going to read from the NIV. Verse 10 reads like this. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving ever hearing but never understanding otherwise they might turn and be forgiven I remember a story which I heard um, just uh, not that long ago actually. is a story about a husband and a wife and they were, um, they'd been out f- for dinner and they were actually on their way home. And unfortunately what happened on their way home, they actually had a pretty serious accident um, on the way home. It was quite dark. So um, what well, happens, I had this accident and um, the husband was kind of knocked out for a little while. He came to and he, he looked around and he saw his wife was actually knocked out and she was bleeding as well. And as you can appreciate, he was actually really, really concerned. And um, so he jumps out of his car, looks around, and out in the distance he actually saw that there's actually this house. And what was actually on the, side, on the outside of the house was a sign what was, that was identifying the occupants. And the sign said, Dr. Jones. So he's thinking to himself, this is fantastic. There's actually a doctor there. We need a doctor right now. Runs over, grabs his wife, picks her up, and sprints to the house, knocks on the door ferociously, as you can imagine, only to be greeted by this older gentleman who's in this dressing gown, looking a little bit perplexed as to why you, like, sort of waking me up in the middle of the night. The husband looks at him and said, sir, we've been in this it, like, serious accident. My wife needs attention, needs help right now. The husband was really surprised because at that moment, that doc, the, 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 the doctor actually um, took a step back. And he said, look, I can see that you're in trouble. I can see you need help, but, but I just need to let you know I can't help you. I don't practice medicine anymore. Husband was in utter disbelief just had that husbandry eyes, if you know what husbands look like, you know, just looked at this doctor and he said, Sir, right now you can do one of two things. You either help my wife or you take that sign down that told me you can look after and you can help my wife. You know, I think 2020 is going to be one of those years when we have the ability to take a step back and look at it and make some assessments, i think 2020 is going to show us that this was a year where the human heart was laid bare unlike any other recent year this has been a really peculiar year wouldn't you agree strange is anyone still feel strange my, my bearings are still lost Just so you know, I'm still like, what is going on? But I think that as we look back, we're going to be able to look at 2020 and say, this was really one of those years that if we took the time to actually pay attention, the human heart was laid bare unlike any other recent year. I mean, just think about it, you know, the human heart, the mystery and wonder of the human heart is the thing that actually left shopping aisles bare this year. And like people were searching for toilet paper of all things. Was anyone on the search for toilet paper? I tell you what, at the beginning of the year, Andrea and I, my wife, we went out day after day and like, we'd have to split up. Andrea like, went to Coles, I went to Woolworths, nothing. Then we ran to Aldi, nothing. We could not find toilet paper. You know what, well, we were starting to get a little bit worried, just so you know. <laughs> toilet paper. This year was one of those years I've heard anecdotally from doctors and just uh, did, did some stories that this is one of those years where the human heart, with all of its wonder and mystery, it actually cleared out entire um, doctor's waiting rooms with one solitary cough. That happened this year. Right, That happened this year. It's also the human heart, that beautiful, wonderful, mysterious human heart that actually ventured to cross streets and actually go to knock on the doors of neighbours that they have possibly never done before and to ensure that vulnerable neighbours, that their needs were met, that their shopping and all was taken care of. In fact, my cousin, who's 51, he's a single 51-year-old Anglo-Indian, and he has never shopped before in his entire life, right? Hard to believe, right? Yeah, the boy needs the Lord. That's all I have to say. He needs Jesus. But even here, he was actually saying to me, he's got a neighbor who's 90 years old and he went over to his neighbor and he said, you know what? Give me your shopping list and I will go shopping for you. This is a guy who's never been shopping before in his life. It took him hours. <laughs> he didn't know where anything was in the shopping center. But like I'm thinking, this is unbelievable that my cousin, who, like, if someone like him would actually go to his neighbor and ensure that the safety and the needs of his neighbor are met. What a year. It's the wonder and the mystery of the human heart that actually took the time out to drive by houses and sing happy birthday to little boys and little girls who this year were unable to have birthday parties. What an incredible year if we actually look back and look at the human heart. Right now, all of us, we're looking at America and other parts of the world that are literally... Um, at a standstill, aren't they? There's outrage and there's protests and there are things that are happening. Even yesterday in Langley Park, there was like 10,000 people or so, all gathered around and there is outrage and there are things that are happening and we need to actually understand and recognize that what we are seeing right now, that this is a human heart that's being laid out bare and is being exposed for us to see. If we actually have the time and the heart to actually uh, inquire and say, what is actually going on right now? The human heart is actually um, being exposed and you know what? All over the world, people are moved right now. We're moved in different ways. I think in particular, there's a lot of young people at the moment and, and, and there's a lot of wisdom and counsel and, and we want to walk with you because there's a lot of young people. Actually, you know what? There's a lot of older people too who have all these emotions and things and, that are happening inside of their hearts and their minds and they can't actually articulate what they're feeling. I think that's something that's happening right now. You can't actually articulate. You know something's up. You know something's been exposed. You know something's wrong. I can't necessarily articulate. And I'm feeling something inside of me, but I don't know why I'm feeling what I'm feeling right now. This is actually the human heart, which is actually laid out to bear. And the reason why we're paying attention, the reason why we're looking, is because we know that the thing that's being exposed right now is something that we know has always been there. It's a truth that we find so uncomfortable, but nevertheless, we know this true that there is evil and there is injustice in this world, isn't there? Or do you live in a different world to me? There is evil and there is injustice. Absolutely. And the thing with following Jesus is that I myself, especially as a Christian leader in this state, I can't go about pointing my finger because I know the truth, because I know that that evil and that injustice, that actually resides pretty close to home. That same evil and injustice out there actually resides inside of my heart, the human heart. And if you're a human, as we all are, I hope, just making sure, that actually resides inside of our heart as well. If we understand the human condition and if we understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's that close as well, isn't it? You know, Billy Graham made this obvious um, observation many, many years ago. He said this, the human heart is the same all over the world. And I think that's true. The human heart is the same all over the world. But for this time, 2020, I've heard a lot of commentators, I've listened to podcasts and, and um, just different leaders in different arenas um, all over the world. There seems to be a sense that for 2020, it's different this time. And it seems to be that our hearts this time in 2020, they've been laid to bear in a moment of complete global vulnerability. And that's a difference this time around. It's a difference this time around. And I've been thinking, I've been contemplating, and part of my job as, as a senior pastor in particular is to try and interpret what is happening in the world and how do we respond in a gospel way. That's part of my job, to actually try to interpret, to grapple what is going on. And I really believe that we in this moment, as the Church of Jesus Christ, not just here in Kalamunda, but actually globally right now, we are in that blessed position, where we are able to actually think through what is actually being asked of humanity right now. If the hearts of humanity are actually being laid bare, if there is something that's being exposed right now, if there is a cry that is going out from the human heart right now, we are the ones who get to grapple and get to ask the question, what is actually being asked? And how can we respond? And we need to understand and recognize that for most people, they'll be feeling things, they'll be going in certain ways. There's certainly going to be a mob mentality. There's going to be people who are going to be doing things and saying things out of genuine concern. But there's going to also be others, and they're not genuine at all. We understand that. We live in this world. But we need to understand that for the most part, people will not be able to articulate or really clarify what is being asked in this cultural moment right now. But we as a church, we can. And another vulnerability is, as a, I mean, I've been a pastor for like over 20 years now. I know Christians. I know me. I know me. <laughs> I know me. Here's the vulnerability with the church. We may know what the fundamental question is, but it is oh so easy to actually bypass that question and go on living our little Christian life with actually, we might preach the gospel, but we will never demonstrate it. That's me. Is that you? So easy to do that. So easy to do that. And we need to understand, like, really, in this moment, especially with our young adults and our younger generation right now, I'm feeling you, young adults. You know, I was young once. (laughs) Once. (laughs) We need to understand and recognise that if we do not grapple and identify the fundamental questions that have been poured out from the human heart right now, we could easily become indifferent, we can easily become angry activists, and we could so easily possibly vacate our role and our vocation as ambassadors of Jesus Christ position placed in God's providence in this generation in 2020 so we're in a really really privileged position right now because we actually do know some things of God's kingdom don't we yeah so here's the question Here's the question. It's a question I really want us to think about, to grapple with, to ponder. When I'm back next week, I'm going to follow on from from this thought. But here's the question. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be human? Because you know what, the the, 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 the wording on the sign out there, it doesn't say doctor. It says church. And that means something. And we are going to have the world coming knocking ferociously on on our doors and the way we we respond means absolutely everything and it's not just the sign that's outside there do you realize that in your household you can't see it but there is actually a sign on the front door of your house which says church of Jesus Christ let me go a little bit further if you are a follower of Jesus Christ right now there is a sign on front of me there's a sign right over here that says church of Jesus Christ and I can fully expect that the world is going to come running to me knocking on the door of my heart and actually asking and expecting me to help our response means absolutely everything And this is a privilege that we are in right now. I was thinking about last week as everything was kind of like starting to move again. And there was this word that was bantered around. Um, It was actually used. It was almost prophetic. Everyone was using the word. The word was reopened everything was reopening. Cafes were reopening. Restaurants were reopening. Schools have already reopened and churches were reopening. It was this sense that there was this reopening that was happening all over the place. And I thought to myself, this is significant. How amazing. We're reopening. And God actually caught me and He said, I do not want the sentiment in my church in this season to be that we are simply reopening he spoke and he said this is what i want the sentiment to be in this season this brand new season for the church of jesus christ not only in kalamanda not only in new spring but in for perth is that this is now a season of brand new openings This is not a season of just reopening. This is not a season of, oh, we get to come together and we get to do this stuff. No, God is actually saying this is a season of brand new openings. And immediately when God said that to me, I went to my good old Pentecostal tradition. I'm thinking, "Weehee, that's awesome. That means there's going to be like new anointings and new ministries and it's going to be like these new wells. And God said, no. No. See, the problem I have is that I automatically go back to my traditional thinking. And sometimes we as charismatic Pentecostals as I am, you know, I love it. I mean, we can go there. I love that stuff, you know. <laughs> as long as it's authentic and genuine. The thing is, we as humanity, we so easily go back to traditions. And sometimes we even point our finger at, at, at churches, like higher order kind of churches, and say, oh, traditions, and we don't understand that We ourselves get caught in traditions as well. Imagine this, um, Imagine like, uh, imagine if a builder, right? Imagine if a builder and their job was to actually build a 200-storey skyscraper, you know, that's what they're supposed to do. And you watch them, this is the day of laying the foundation and what they do is that they get out these plans for a 1930 cottage. That's not going to work, is it? The blueprints of 1930 do not work for actually building a skyscraper and that's where we are right now. The blueprints of three months ago of yesterday are not sufficient for what is required today. And that's going to be part of our challenge. It's certainly my challenge. I'm so glad that we get to do this challenge together because I'm like you and you're like me. We so easily revert back to our traditions. You know why? Because they worked. But just because they worked yesterday does not mean they worked today. Isn't that right? These brand new openings have everything to do with the current global question at hand, what does it mean to be human? And this is a fundamental question that we should be able to answer if we're followers of Jesus Christ. And we can open our mouth and it could be a lot of rhetoric that kind of like floods out of our mouth. You know, we're made in the image of God. We're reflectors of God's glory. Him, I go day and all this kind of stuff. But you know what? This response right now in this season, I really believe for the church of Jesus Christ, there is not so much what comes out of our mouth and our rhetoric in this moment. It's more of our demonstration because if the world is crying out and saying we want to know we're, we're grappling with this question we are seeing that what does it mean to be truly human in this world why is it that some people are treated differently to other people what does it fundamentally mean if it does mean that there is some dignity and there's something on humanity what does it mean to be truly human and we can actually open up our Bibles and, and kind of say oh you know what we can kind of like to go through this and all that but how much more powerful if we actually have a mindset and a posture and say that is a phenomenal question that is a great question that is like keep hold of that question now watch my life and you will see what it means to be truly human this is a season of demonstration this is not a season of rhetoric for the church billy graham a couple years ago obviously many years ago he was talking to a college principal in america and he said he asked the question what is the number one problem with students in your college without missing a beat the college president said this emptiness 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 I mean does that word resonate with the world today emptiness emptiness and my response to that is like if you're trying to figure out that question if you'd be honest enough to say my life is empty my heart is empty everything about me is empty right now I would actually say you know what if you want to know what it truly means to be human just check out my life right now come and check me out it's not perfect you know it's not perfect but I tell you this much it's not empty I mean is your life empty no it's not empty I know some people look at Dave and say, Yeah, Dave, you're full of it. (laughs) I'm full of something, (laughs) but I'm not empty. I'm not empty. I'm not perfect, but I'm not empty. And that should be what our stance and our posture is to the world right now in this cultural moment what a fantastic question what a great question the human heart is laid out to bear right now it is exposed right now all over the globe there is a question that is going up it's rising up even if they cannot articulate it what does it mean to be human well if you want to see what it means to be human come and investigate my life come and check out my marriage come and look at the way I live come and hang out with me come and poke and prod and ask questions come and do some life with me and you will see that there is a distinct difference between the way I live and the way that the world lives and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ that is our privilege and our pleasure in this time right now don't you reckon it's incredible well before the COVID-19 kind of struck we were um journeying through Mark's gospel and we're going to be looking at Mark chapter four as I said before and really interesting what the Lord actually says in light of this But as we've been going through Mark's gospel, I don't know if we got as far as Mark 3, but in Mark chapter 3, there is this huge confrontation that happens with Jesus. And it's one of those moments, I mean, if you were to put this on the stage, if you were actually to put this on in a play or some kind of drama and all that, this would be one of those moments. There's only a couple of moments in Mark, but this would be one of those moments where everyone is on the stage at the same time. This is a really, really significant moment. There's all these different people groups that are around. Obviously, the crowds are around. The crowds were everywhere with Jesus. The disciples were there. They were over there as well. Jesus' family was even in this scenario. You know, Jesus' family, would have thought they'd be supporting him, but they literally, from their own words, they said, this guy's gone mad. That's what they honestly thought about Jesus, his own family. Right? they had gone mad. And not only his family were there, but they're also the teachers of the law who'd actually come from Jerusalem. Now that's significant. They come from Jerusalem. You know if they come all the way to from Jerusalem to come and actually see Jesus they weren't like kind of saying you know what we were just in the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? We just happened to be in the neighborhood. No what actually happened is that there were the big ones from Jerusalem that actually came to put a stop to this Jesus nonsense and this new life nonsense. That's what we're doing. Could you imagine a church? Could you imagine a community of, of followers of Jesus Christ that was so radical and living out this new life in such a way that the big ones had to come and say we need Put a stop to this Jesus nonsense. Could you imagine that, man? I'll live for that day. Could you imagine if we are just like ripping it up for Jesus Christ that we are going to places that are darkened and in despair and bring the love of Jesus Christ, the hope of Jesus Christ, that we are literally seeing families knit together back in love. We are literally seeing hope coming and replacing darkness. Could you imagine that? And we have some big ones coming down and say, "We need to put a stop to this because we don't like it." And we just look at you and say, "You could try, but this is a move the Holy Spirit." Could you imagine that? Well, I reckon we could have a good chance of seeing that. You know? (laughs) Anyway, so they're coming. They're coming. And uh, they want to put a stop to it. Um, Mark 3 verse 22 says, But the teachers of religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem, see they came from Jerusalem, said he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets the power to cast out demons. There is a complete rejection of the teaching of Jesus that's happening in this moment complete rejection and because of that this is the first time where jesus gives them a very very severe warning this is the first time later on they try this again and jesus completely cuts them off and it is like okay you're doing it again now definite judgment's coming on israel but this is just a warning and jesus says i tell you the truth all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven but anyone who blasphemes the holy spirit will never be forgiven is that is a sin with eternal consequence there's this huge climatic confrontation, this huge rejection of Jesus and his teaching. And as a response to this confrontation, to this rejection of his teaching, guess what Jesus does? He starts speaking in parables. Now we look at parables and say, you know what, we can do a series on parables and it's amazing and all that. You've got to be careful when Jesus starts speaking in parables because he's about to shatter your world. <laughs> you've got to be careful with the words of jesus when he starts moving and that and you see it later on conflict confrontation happens again conflict happens again and guess what he does he starts speaking in parables go be careful when jesus like if the lord ever comes to me and starts speaking in parables i'll say okay lord what, what have i done <laughs> i'm sorry i don't even know what i've done but i'm sorry <laughs> but that's what they do they reject him and jesus immediately goes into talking about parables and he starts speaking about this parable of the different soils, or the parable of the, so- the, the sower. You know, the sower says the word. And it actually begins, very, very interestingly, with the topic sentence of what this parable is all about. Mark 4 verse 3 says this, Listen, listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed. Listen. Now you need to understand and recognize that Jesus wasn't trying to get their attention because everyone was already listening he had completely the, their attention was completely on him I mean they were so intrigued with Jesus they were like literally pushing him back into the sea so he needs to get into a boat and all that and everyone's watching Jesus he is not trying to get people's attention he is actually saying this is the topic of what I'm going to talk to you about right now listening how are you listening and you know what this word listen the Hebrew equivalent would be the Shema listen listen oh Israel, but the word listen, Shema. It is not just hearing or not just understanding. It is a nuanced word which implies obedience. It implies obedience. That's what Jesus means when he says, listen. He ain't just talking about, oh, I can hear the words. I can hear the syllables. I can hear the sound. I can hear the tone. Oh, I understand. No, Jesus is actually saying in order to listen, you need to obey as well. It is a nuanced word do we listen do we obey and we need to recognize that that word listen is so so important because wrapped up in that one word listen is the secret of this pending question that the world is now asking what does it mean to be human is all wrapped up in that one word listen listen And obviously the disciples have no idea what Jesus is talking about. So when the crowds leave, they actually come and say, Jesus, you said these weird things. What were you talking about? And this is where we land, Mark chapter 4, verse 10 to 12. When he was alone, the the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. He lets them know straight off the bat there's a secret here, which I've just told you. There's a secret. And after saying there's a secret, he goes on to quote this kind of obscure scripture that is found in Isaiah chapter 6, but it's actually imagery that is thread throughout the whole of Isaiah, and it's actually thread throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, moving into the New Testament. And the quotation is this, that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. And you kind of think, what in the world are you talking about? I think it was about three weeks ago, I was here on a Tuesday, and... um, Tim Phipps comes to us, to me, um, our youth pastor. He comes up and says, Dave, like, I've got my interns here, and like, we've been like, doing this Bible study, and we're kind of stumped. Do you remember that, Tim? We're kind of stumped. We're kind of stumped. And um, he actually said to me, like, I was like, whoa, this is incredible. He said, can we actually like, sit down with you, and can you actually like, teach us or, or like, kind of fill us in on what Jesus is doing here? And I'm thinking to myself, this is a bunch of young adults in Colourm Under Church of Christ in their early 20s coming to their senior pastor and saying, can we actually sit down with you and actually learn some scripture? Got to pay attention to what's happening with this generation. Don't be surprised. We are going to see their fingerprints all over this church. I thought it was incredible. But it was actually this verse. What is Jesus talking about? They were saying, I think we've got a handle on everything. But this one, what is he talking about? And it's kind of an obscure little scripture and imagery but it wasn't for the heroes of the day, and it certainly wasn't for the heroes in the days of Isaiah when he was like writing this and communicating. It's the image, it's the picture of an idol or a statue. You know? My little son Jackson has Batman and Iron Man and Superman and, and you know what? Well, I think he wants to be an Avenger, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you get these little little dolls, these little statues, and they have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears but they can't hear you know what i'm saying it's the image of an idol it's an image of a statue what jesus is saying he's talking about listening and remember this is in response to a rejection of jesus teaching this is what jesus is saying if you reject my teaching you may think you're becoming more human But that will actually lead you in a process of dehumanization. Where you might have eyes but you can't see and you may have ears and you can't hear. Now if you turn around and repent, well that will be reversed and that's really really important in this day and age especially if you're a young person and you're going through the likes of university and things like that because we're living in a world that's selling us a lie right now and right now in 2020 all of the scaffolding of that lie is literally falling uh, like falling down around us but we have been told we have been promised that the way that you become truly human the way that you feel like free and all that is self-autonomy it's freedom it's actually a rejection of what the words of Jesus Christ could be I mean my goodness those words are so archaic they couldn't possibly bring any Think, yeah Jesus would say if you go down that path you will not become more human you will become less human and your opposite is also true isn't it that if we actually receive the words of Jesus Christ not just hearing but actually obeying the words of Jesus Christ if we take this whole scenario and if we reverse it if we follow the words of Jesus Christ if we walk out the words of Jesus Christ we will go through a process of becoming truly human that's what he's saying isn't it amazing that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus is speaking something that is so relevant to this cultural moment right now. This cultural moment right now. It is absolutely incredible that he is actually doing that right now. It's a process of becoming truly, truly human. Process of becoming truly human. Having eyes to see. I don't know if you've ever read through the Gospels, but there seems to be this. um, Jesus seems to love miracles and healings that involve healing, blind eyes, and deaf ears. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever wondered why? It is actually a symbolic healing, it's a symbolic thing. It's an understanding that runs through the entirety of Israel's scriptures that they understand that to be truly human is to be able to see. And to be truly human is to be able to hear. So when Jesus goes and actually heals blind eyes and undulls ears, ears, this is a prophetic action. What Jesus is saying that this is a process. With my touch, you are becoming truly human. It's very symbolic. He does that. Very, very symbolic. So, a couple of weeks ago, I was in one of our Zoom meetings, and we've still got those 6.30 meetings, by the way. Jenny and Leonard, I don't think they've missed a day. Um, <laughs> every single morning, there's Jenny and Leonard. 6.30 in our Zoom prayer room. Oh, hello, Laszlo. Oh, my gosh. He'll get me in a headlock later on. <laughs> Jenny Jenny, and Leonard. How silly was that? <laughs> Jenny and Laszlo. Um, a couple of weeks ago, God's dropped into my, my, my spirit as we're in this prayer meeting, brand new openings, brand new openings. And like I said before, I immediately went to, oh, that means this. It means like, oh, brand new openings. I immediately go, oh, there's going to be some new wells going to be dug, There's going to be this. And, and God actually said, no, 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 no. He said this season right now that we are in right now, the season which has now begun, Colum under Church of Christ, this is going to be a season where these new openings are going to happen and they're, going to, they're actually going to happen outside of these church building walls, not inside here. But it's going to be new openings. There are going to be openings of eyes and there are going to be openings of ears. This is a brand new season where people will become truly human, brand new openings. And guess what? It's going to happen through you brand new open you know what that sounds a little bit more exciting in my spirit than what i'm receiving from you guys that is awesome that is awesome. Could you imagine if we just like, like, you, like every single week, we have every single person in this church, we have to go to three or four services with the restrictions because you're bringing three or four new people almost every single week because you've met them in, in colds, if you met them down in, in, your, in your house or something and you've actually shared the gospel of Jesus Christ and as you've been sharing, as you've been walking, in the process, eyes have been opened, ears have been undulled and new humanity has actually happened in front of you. That would be, for me, that's exciting. Is that exciting for anyone here? It's all right, we're going to get you there by the end of the life. We'll, we'll get you there, but that's supposed to be exciting. The church is supposed to be this contrasting community in the world. We're supposed to be so distinctly different in this world because we are a community of those who are truly human. We're supposed to be serving our world, extending and administrating thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's who the church is. If you don't believe me, why don't you grab your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to show you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. Let me show you what this gospel actually means, what it addresses and what it actually brings forth. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. Um, I'll read it out for you. It says this. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, get that, one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Wow, that's incredible. Any hostility around the world right now? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating. Get that word, creating. Do you know what that the word creating implies? Something new. Creating. You know, this was not renovation. This is a creating. By creating in himself one new people there we are again from two groups together as one body christ reconciled both groups to god by means of his death on the cross and now hostility toward each other was put to death incredible to think that through the gospel through the cross of jesus christ there is now one new humanity a true humanity they are called the church that's you that's me we are true humanity did you know that You know, we've got so much scripture in this book and some of it's really hard to interpret. We've got a book like the book of Romans. Who loves Romans? Like, what are you on about, Paul? It takes a lot to actually understand what he's on about. But Romans is one of those books that lets us know how he did it. How did you get this to happen throughout human history? How did you do it, God? Well, that's fantastic. The book of Ephesians tells us what he did. That he actually created one new people, one new humanity, one new creation. They are called the church of Jesus Christ. And we are those who are administering the kingdom of God in and through this world. We are not this little exclusive like little group. We are fully inclusive because we are taking the life of Jesus Christ. And we are seeing blind eyes open, deaf ears undulter, true humanity added to our number day by day, week by week. And if we ever forget that, you know what? We just become a little holy huddle and we are not functioning as a church of Jesus Christ. I'm going to listen to this again. I'm going to go, that's good. You see, if you don't understand the gospel, this is the gospel, all right? This is the gospel. People don't understand the gospel. The gospel is literally the good news of Jesus, the king. That's it. But all the implications, my goodness. What does it mean that Jesus is king? Well, that actually affects everything. But the good news is actually about Jesus the king and if you don't know the good news you may well become this angry activist and anytime time that we start pointing our finger and we start moving and our motive is one of rage and one of anger and we are not moved with the ethic of love I don't care who you think you are you're not doing Jesus a service I'm sorry I mean get off your soapbox I feel like I'm back at church now I'm starting to get a little bit more feisty I'm serious. The amount of Christians on Facebook and Twitter at the moment, I'm seriously. If you're not operating out of an ethic of love, please do not think you're bringing about the kingdom of God because it is an ethic of love that actually moves this world and shapes this world and brings transformation in this world. Isn't that right? Well, that's what I believe anyway. But if you don't understand the gospel, man, I'm spitting everywhere. If you don't, lucky we've got such a lot... (laughs) if you don't understand the gospel this is really important if you don't understand the gospel you will not finish important thoughts thoughts like this i'm saved for what (laughs) i'm saved to go to heaven Mm. now i was thinking about this like over the years i've heard like a lot of like silly like, when i was growing up i even heard this acronym you know bible basic instruction before leaving earth do you know how like how wrong that is that's heretical that might shock you but that's heresy the story is not about leaving earth to go to heaven the story is about heaven coming to earth the reason why we get so mucked up because we think we've got a ticket to go to heaven we can't do anything no that is actually that'll lead you to actually live a life that is actually not christ and this book it might give you a lot of stuff but this is ultimately this is a book that is revealing the purposes of God in humanity and if we understand the purposes of God we understand that we are invited to join him in his purposes am I stepping on anyone's toes maybe my own but you need we need to be able to finish important thoughts is any teachers here any English teachers? First sentences are quite important, aren't they? I mean, I learned that. I mean, I only went to school in Armada, but even in Armada, I learned that. <laughs> you know? First sentences are really, really important. Have you ever considered what the first sentence of the Bible is? Genesis 1, verse 1 to 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Have you ever thought about the first sentence, that the very first sentence of the Bible actually gives this de- description of this world that it is formless and that is empty and that when God comes, He starts to bring form and order out of the chaos. And have you ever considered that maybe God is still continuing that right now? As we go to the end of the Bible and we actually see that there's this new Eden that's sort of created but it looks like a city that seems like this formless existence in the very first sentence of, of Genesis, is God have been transformed and moved in such an order that it is this beautiful city where, city where heaven and earth are coming together? I mean, my goodness, is that possibly telling us about the purposes of God? Come on, let's that He is moving through history, He is bringing order, and He is replacing chaos, and He is bringing light where there was once darkness? I mean, is this like, I mean, I'm not an English teacher. But I think first sentences are quite, quite important. You're saved. What do you say for? You're saved for demonstration. You're saved for invitation. Because the plans and the purposes of God is to bring order in this world. And we join Him in His purposes. And anywhere we see where there is disorder and there is chaos the first thing that should come to our mind is, oh, I better get over there. I know I'm messing with you. But I ain't no caretaker anymore, so you guys are going to have to put up with it. <laughs> it's so, so amazing to think about that. Um, I was, um, it was last week, um, I was in our, in our church um, and um, I was in a room and um, there were chairs just scattered everywhere. And if you guys are just getting to know me. Like, like, but, but there were chairs everywhere and like it was annoying me. You know, they were just like chairs pointing all sorts of different directions. So, so like for me, I was like when I actually just put them around and, and God started speaking to me about this very thing about order. He said, you know what, Dave, in this room, this room wasn't, it wasn't an issue of disorder. It was actually an issue of non-order because the room wasn't functional. See there's a distinction between disorder and non-order because of function. Have you ever moved into your house? Anyone ever moved house? I hate moving house. Oh. But in, in, under the roof, under the roof, you have all the, everything's in boxes and all that. you know everything's in boxes. It's not a, the issue of disorder. it's actually non-order. Because it's not functional. But everything you need is under the roof. Do you know where Kalamunda is right now? There's not disorder in Kalamunda. It's non-order. Because every grace and every gift that is needed for this season is under the roof. But God is actually bringing in ordering out of the non-order so there would be new function. But that's what the Lord is doing. And that's what we're invited into. But if you don't know the gospel, you won't be able to finish important thoughts. Why are you saved? To get a ticket to heaven? Uh, wrong. You're saved to join him in his work on earth. That thy kingdom come, thy will be done here. We have no problem believing that his will is done in heaven. What about on earth? in this cultural moment. So the world's crying out, what does it mean to be human? And my response is going to be, well, let me show you. It's a season of demonstration. The church is pretty good at preaching. We're not so good at demonstrating. And people will come alongside you in your life and my life. I can have a band come up. I'm about to finish. And I'll ask some questions. So why are you doing that, Dave? I mean, why did you give that? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That person just cussed you out and you're still blessing them. Why do you do that? They might look at you and say, Dave, like, I, I've noticed the way that you treat Andrea. It, it seems like you've got her on this pedestal. It's almost as if you, you keep on preferring her. Like, why are you doing that? they just like, that, that's like, I don't get it. You know, what do you keep doing? That? Like, wait wait, wait wait a minute, I can't believe you actually took the time and you sat down with me for weeks and weeks and maybe months and months on end and you actually translated the kingdom of God so I could understand to such a point that I now know that there is an open invitation for me to join God and his plans and his purposes. And I've got this invitation. Wow, I can't believe that you did that. How do you do that? That's like amazing. Like, uh, I have meaning, I have purpose. Why did you do that? And when we have those questions that come to us, what we need to respond and say, you know why I did that? Because this is what it looks like to be truly human. This is what it looks like if Jesus is king. We're in the season of demonstration. We're in a season where we're going to see eyes open, ears open, not in here, out there. Out there. This is the season for the church to be mobilized. This is not the season. And you know what's really good? We've got these restrictions and we've got these regulations, which means it's much more easier for it to happen out there than in here. How do we demonstrate it? Well, there's only one way to demonstrate it. It's obvious. We ourselves have to be truly human. Have to be. And it's all wrapped up in that one word, listen to the words of Jesus, to the teaching of Jesus. Am I just hearing Am I just understanding or am I going to obey? Am I going to obey? And I've got to be honest, in every single church I've been to, I'm not so sure about here, you guys might be a lot more holy than the other ones I've been to. I've noticed that we've got a lot of critiques in churches, but very, very few disciples. Do you know how I can say that? By definition, a disciple is a student. That's a disciple. We come before the Lord and say, Jesus, speak. I want to hear your words so I can obey. And in this new season as well, I guarantee you, there are going to be people in our church and you've been praying and you've been believing for loved ones for years, maybe decades. And I know what it's like. You could believe God for something or for someone to the point where it hurts so much that you actually take your faith and you place it on the ground and say no more it hurts too much but in this brand new season the lord is asking you to pick that up again because this is a season where eyes are going to be opened and ears are going to be undulled and new creation is going to come this is a season of brand new openings when the world is crying out in this cultural moment what does it mean to be human our response is, you know what, well, you may not necessarily hear our rhetoric, but I'm going to show you right now. And as I show you, as you investigate, please do not be surprised if my King walks into your life and His fragrance fills your life and your eyes open and your ears become undone, and you come fully alive. In Jesus' name, let me pray for you. I've spoken too long as I always do. Father, we thank you for your word. How beautiful is your word, God. How full of life and vitality is your word. I pray this morning that you've quickened our spirit, God. That you've opened our eyes even more. That as we've heard from you, Lord, Holy Spirit, come and just keep softening our hearts. That we would be a people who not only hear you, but we obey. Father, I pray for those in our families, in our friendship circles, in our lives. And they are asking this question, but they are not followers of you. Would you allow us the opportunity to demonstrate, to show off what it means to be truly human in this world? I pray for those in our church even now, and you feel like you're disqualified because you've made a mistake. You're not perfect. No one's perfect. I pray that imperfection would not exclude us from demonstration, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.